0: Hi, and welcome to Cap Times Talks, a podcast that brings you smart conversations about big topics in Madison. This is Eric Lawrenson. On this episode, it's a birthday celebration. Our birthday celebration, actually. The Cap Times turned 100 years old last week, and to mark the occasion, we took a step back to reflect on our history, present, and future with a special talk at the Monona Terrace. The discussion featured Paul Fanland, the editor of the Cap Times. The digital
1: era sort of uh, reshuffles the deck in terms of our ability to uh, define ourselves and reach audiences. Dave Zwiefel, editor emeritus.
2: Somebody has to lead the way, and I think that's what will keep us alive.
0: And John Nichols, the paper's associate editor. We should not underestimate the peril that uh, journalism is in today. Before we dive into that conversation, which was moderated by the recently retired Wisconsin public radio host Joy Cardine, we're going to begin with some other highlights of the evening. We had a big announcement about an upcoming event in 2018, but first, some remarks from Malele Chikasa Inanna, the civil rights activist and the publisher of Lumoja Magazine.
3: On behalf of the Madison Black Chamber of Commerce, Camille Carter, president, in recognition the Cap Times for 100 years of service, a progressive voice of vigorous vigilance, a robust warrior for justice, courageously seeking truth in the face of adversity, speaking truth to power. Your presence in the village will continue to make a difference. All right. Dave and I have been friends as long as I can remember. I don't know how old you are, but <laughs> I've been around here in Madison 50 years, and I wasn't a baby when I came here.
2: <laughs>
3: Yumoja Malele Shikatsa Publisher honors Dave's rifle for your diligence to the Capitol Times for the past 55 years since 1962 making its voice a song for justice. You are a comforting blanket when we need to shield ourselves against mean ideas. You are a ray of sunshine on a cloudy day. You are a brilliant jewel shining for more than a half century in the city of Madison and the county of day. As passionately as we love you, as you love us, we love you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you. you.
4: you. you. (laughs) One more round of applause.
3: It's it's Dave's wife of the robot man, (laughs) the bionic man, the bionic man. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thank
1: you. The occasion, of course, as I guess everyone here probably knows, is that the first edition of the Capital Times was published precisely 100 years ago tomorrow, Mm -hmm. uh, about three blocks from here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Uh, At... um, a storefront uh, that had been an ice cream parlor at 106 King Street, and uh, we've been stirring things up um, ever since. <laughs> the headliner of this evening, and this was totally stolen now by uh, Miss Malele, <laughs> is uh, Dave Zwiefel, of course, who's been with the Capital Times longer than was our founder, William T. Eview. Uh, uh, Mr. Eview ran the paper for 53 years until his death in 1970. In 1962, he personally hired Dave, uh, which uh, the math works out to this is Dave's 55th year with the Capital Times. So that's, uh, uh, and I I should also add that he's here tonight, less than a week removed from um, significant hip surgery, but he said there was no way he was not gonna make it to this event. So if we could give (laughs) one more hand to Dave. Thanks. Uh, I want to before we get started. I want to throw in one more little pitch or update. That is a first announcement of it. Uh, many of you, uh, I I know because I saw you there, attended our inaugural Cat Times Idea Fest in September. We were very pleased with all aspects of it: the programming, uh, the. Uh, The attendance, the venues, and so forth. Uh, I'm just announcing tonight that we're moving it to uh, Friday night and Saturday, next September 28th and 29th next year. We're going to base it out of the Memorial Union, including use of the Memorial Union Theater, and we're going to use the Pyle Center and Wisconsin uh, Historical Society Auditorium. So we're very excited about it. Uh, David Marinus, who many of you, a couple of you asked about tonight, uh, whose father was editor of the Capital Times, and he's of course an author, Pulitzer winner, and uh, Washington Post editor, uh, is fully involved again. And I was in contact with him yesterday, uh, talking about uh, possible uh, guests guess who he might be able to bring this year. He is responsible largely for bringing Marty Barron, the editor of the Washington Post, to Madison. So uh, we're very excited about that. We're also very excited that we have a presenting sponsor in place already. It's the uh, the Burrish Group of UBS Financial Services, and that's a big deal for us, because this kind of large event is a, is a challenge to put on. So um, I just, that's the first kind of public announcement of that, and we're really excited about year two and beyond.
5: <laughs>
1: well, thanks. So now on to uh, those of us up here. It's a distinct pleasure to welcome Joy Cardeen as our moderator tonight. Uh, Joy was with Wisconsin Public Radio for more than 31 years before retiring earlier this year. 14 of those years, uh, she was the uh, host of uh, the superb early morning interview show bearing her name that was named a few years ago by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association as the best talk show in Wisconsin.
6: Thank you. Thank you, Paul. It's um, great to be here. Thank you for inviting me to be at your birthday party. Wisconsin Public Radio also celebrated its centennial this year, so something was in the water in 1917. I I wanted to start with Dave. Uh, Thank you for being here so soon after six days ago. You had a, did you say it was a hip replacement replacement? Right. (laughs) It's yeah. the
2: second operation in the same hip,
6: yeah. Bionic man for sure. I know that you told um, Paul that you would be here even if they had to haul you in on a gurney. So <laughs> thank you for being. I think they did. <laughs> why? Why is this anniversary so important to you?
2: Well, I think the Cap Times uh, has really been a remarkable uh, shaper of uh, what Wisconsin. Uh, be, was and became uh, through these last hundred years. Uh, Mr. Revue, uh was in love with the state, uh, grew up in northern Wisconsin, of course, and uh, came down to Madison and fell in love with the state capitol and the university. Uh, he went off uh, to work in Milwaukee for a few years as a reporter, then went to Chicago for f- about five years as a reporter, then found out there was a opening for a managing editor in Madison at the Wisconsin State Journal. And he jumped at the chance to apply for that job. He got it. And, uh, and he was then able, through the years, uh, in his devotion to the progressive causes of Wisconsin, to eventually start his own newspaper and, uh, and, and make it a, a, a real force for justice and peace in the state.
6: You knew um, Evu, and he hired uh, you 55 years ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was what was he like?
2: It depended. It, de- it depended <laughs> uh, who you were. <laughs> rout, rout. <laughs> uh, some people feared him. Uh, they thought he was a mean old guy. Uh, even people in the newsroom, uh, some of the people in the newsroom feared him. Uh, he uh, did have a temper. Uh, but in reality, he was a kind, very kind man. Uh, he didn't have any children. He and his wife, Zola, were unable to have children, but he loved kids. Uh, he, uh, went out of his way to, to, you know, promote causes to, to, help kids, especially children that were having difficulty, whether for health reasons or other kinds of, uh, problems that, uh, they might face, um. But he, he was a he, his newspaper to him was him, you know. He'd, uh, there was no difference between uh, you couldn't distinguish between EVU and, and the Cap Times. Uh, uh, he was a man of his word, which I found out firsthand uh, uh, back when I was a kid in high school uh, in uh, New Glarus, uh, the metropolis just south of here. <laughs> uh, and I ran my own little paper. I modeled it after uh, the Cap Times, and. Uh, uh, I even had a front-page column in which I didn't call Hello, Wisconsin, but something very close. And I would send Mr. Review a copy of that paper every week, oh. uh, unsolicited, of course. <laughs> and uh, he uh, became interested, uh, and he sent a reporter down to see me on the farm, in the, in, in, just outside New Glarus. They did a story, in, which was entitled Fearless Editor at 16. And uh, so I, I called him after the story ran, and I asked if there was any chance I might be able to see him, come visit him, and he, he said, yeah, I can see you, and he gave me a date. And so I took the Badger bus from New Glarus to, to Madison. Uh, public transportation was much better in those days. <laughs> and the, uh, and went to visit Mr. Revue, and then he, he asked me uh, what I was going to do after high school. I said, well, I'm gonna to go to the UW-Madison and uh, study journalism. He said, well, when you're through school, come and see me. So sure as heck, this six years later, I, I, of course, kept that in my back pocket all that time, and uh, I did go, uh, finally screw up enough courage to go, walked out to his house, Afraid to go to the office, I guess. And uh, knocked on the door and uh, his sister uh, let me in and called him to the parlor and reintroduced myself. Uh, of course, he had no, no idea who the heck this kid was. And I said, you know, when I came to see you uh, back in 1956, you uh, told me when I graduated from college, I should come to see you. He says, I said that? I said yes, sir, and uh, he said, "Well, I guess I'll have to uh, honor my word." And he sent me down to the down to the Captain's building and uh, had the uh, executive editor sign me up as a reporter. That was uh, 55 years ago. It's it's been quite a ride. He um, he he was a, a kind of a, a no-nonsense guy with his newspaper in that he. Never did favors for anyone, and he did that very, uh, and what I mean by that, he, it was a paper that you could not, if you were a, a, a well-to-do person in town, you got into trouble, you couldn't call Evie and ask him to hold your name out of the paper, and he made sure that he didn't have any uh, problem doing that, because all of us who worked for him, if we were, whatever minor discretion we might be involved in, our name would be in the paper. After starting at the Cap Time to 62, I still had two years military uh, obligation, and I went off to, to, uh, to the Army and came back on leave when, well, I think it was around Christmas time, and I uh, drove too fast down South Park Street, and the police nabbed me. I think it was Mahoney, Sheriff Mahoney's guys, <laughs> <laughs> and they and they, uh, they gave me a ticket. And the next day, I couldn't believe this. There was a story in the front page <laughs> <laughs> about this Cap reporter being nabbed for driving 12 miles over the speed limit on South Bridge. <laughs> but that, but that was his. That was his. Uh, you know. So if you called him and said can't you keep my name out of the paper he would he would use he yeah. the, the staff as an example of uh, why he, no he would not do that for anyone he, he was the the kind of a guy that uh, barked orders uh, usually by phone uh, his office was downstairs the newsroom was on the second floor and uh, he had always full of ideas and uh, and he was in, in an incredible uh True to his word, uh, progressive. Uh, there was no uh, deviation from, from what he believed that government should be and and how it uh, how the people should be able to participate in it.
6: So, um, John, why don't you, from your research, tell us why um, have you decided to start the Cap
4: Times? Absolutely. Um, he didn't like the State Journal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he was mad at the State Journal, and the reason for that is that he committed to a very uh, populist, progressive, and as he would proudly say, radical view of politics. And there was simply no question that his hero was Robert M. LaFollette. Follette. Um, he was younger than La Follette, but not that much younger. Uh, the, it was, But there was something there that was a deep, deep connection. And La Follette was was quite popular in Wisconsin as governor and then senator. But in the spring of 1917, La Follette did the right thing. He opposed uh, the war of kings and kaisers in Europe, World War I. And he said that Wisconsin farm kids and small town folks, working folks, shouldn't be sent off to try and defend monarchs and colonies and things like that. Uh, It was a unpopular position when he took it. And once the war began, uh, there were calls for his expulsion from the United States Senate. Now if we're going to expel somebody from the United States Senate, um, that may come later. Uh, but in the case of La Follette, it was simply for taking a stand on an issue. And it got really ugly. Uh, he was uh, hung in effigy at on the University of Wisconsin campus. Uh, he was persona non grata in many of the business and elite circles of Madison in the state. Uh, They did take away, I think, his uh, uh, university club uh, membership. And so everything was going bad for the guy. Madison club, Club. I apologize. They took away the Madison club uh, membership. Uh, And so it was getting pretty ugly. And then the state journal turned on him. And the state journal had actually been quite supportive of him up to that point. And they were vicious. And uh, Evu, who was the general manager, uh, in a very, and he'd been an editor there, he'd been a very powerful player within the state journal. In fact, he'd actually been, in many ways, the defining figure there. Um, walked out, he quit. And uh, he started going around Dane County and knocking on the doors of farmers and saying, Bob's in trouble, Bob LaFollette is in trouble, and we, gotta, we have to start a paper that'll stand behind him as he does the right thing. And uh, farmers, Small town folks, some small business owners, cooperatives sometimes gave over their profits for the the year to help start this paper. Some unions, and um, on December 13th, 1917, he started the paper, and it was a brutal. It was a brutal start, but um, it was an essential, an essential challenge to what was really the shutting down of free speech in wartime. Cap Times was the alternative.
6: Why did you say it was a brutal start?
4: Oh. It was ugly. It was fabulous. I mean, just for, they should make movies about this stuff. Uh, We wrote a book, and it's a fine holiday gift. Um, (laughs) But uh, until the film rights are sold, um, I mean, this is the stuff straight out of the front page. It it was incredible. Uh, The State Journal despised the Cap Times, not merely because it was a better paper, um, but also because it was a competitor. And there's the old Madison Democrat that was fading. The State Journal seemed to have a dominant position. Here comes this upstart. Uh, So there's both commercial and ideological reasons why the State Journal went after the Capitol Times. And one of the things that happened was the business elites in town called in the FBI, called in federal investigators, because they said that, that somehow the Capitol Times had to be being funded by the Germans. Yeah, it had to be a front for some sort of, or maybe the Russians or somebody, but somebody was funding it because the farmers and the small business owners of Dane County couldn't possibly muster enough support to get a newspaper started. And so a federal investigator moved in on King Street across the street from the Cap Times, and he watched the Cap Times each day to get to see the the bags of Russian gold or German Kroners, whatever, coming in there, and it... And finally, Ebu found it so absurd that he, he went across the street and said to the guy, hey, come on, we know you're here. Come on over to the Cap Times. You can sit inside the Cap Times office and look at our books if you want, and you can watch everybody who comes and goes. And eventually, the guy got so bored, because these were no regions, and uh, got so bored that he wrote a report. Said, this said, there's not a problem here. Now, the report was filed away, Right? And Evie said, no, 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 no. You just did a report that said the a patriotic paper just happens to disagree with the government, with those in power. You need to release that report and let people know that, you know, we've got all this stuff thrown at us, and we are actually a vital part of this community doing a good job. And it was, and it was essential to the realization of the Cap Times as a, main, a major part of the local media. But even then, there were boycotts. Uh, Major businesses went after the Cap Times because the Cap Times published the names and identities of war profiteers. Uh, Paper boys, and and I would like to think paper girls, uh, were hounded in the streets. Papers were grabbed away from people. It was a really bitter time, and it was bitter because the Capital Times stood up for dissent. It was bitter because the Capital Times at a very early stage stood up for women's rights and for votes for women. It was bitter because the Capitol Times stood up to the Ku Klux Klan when it was marching in this town. And the first years of the Cap Times were a period of battle. Uh, it survived that battle. And in a sense, as you used to always say, that it was that initial experience for the Capitol Times that gave it the backbone to take on Joe McCarthy in the 1950s. So it was worth all the struggle.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And, Paul, I know you're here to talk a lot about the present and future of the Cap Times, but why don't you tell us, why, did, why was the Cap Times the afternoon paper?
1: Well, uh, the, the arrangement, and Dave probably knows this history better than I, but the, uh, the two companies came together in the late 1940s and, and formed a business partnership uh, through which they could afford uh, better equipment and to run a better business, even though they remained uh, uh, editorially Uh, foes, editorial competitors, and they, uh, many of you will remember the building on Carroll Street, on South Carroll Street that housed the two newspapers. I I interviewed there right out of graduate school a few decades ago, Uh, and uh, it was a classic old downtown newspaper building. Anyway, out of that arrangement of Madison Newspapers was formed, um, and the... and when they, that arrangement was made, the preferred slot for a newspaper would be the afternoon. Afternoon newspapers were dominant across the country, and they did—they were healthier. And so, Mr. Eview negotiated to get the afternoon uh, slot uh, and gave the State Journal the Sunday, uh, uh, the, the Sunday franchise in trade for that. And it turned out to be—it uh, turned mm-hmm. out in terms of daily newspapering to be a loss both ways because. Came the 50s, uh, television, people's habits changed and people didn't pick up afternoon newspapers as much. And, and the afternoon newspaper decline started well before, I guess what's euphemistically called, the disruption of newspapers in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, the, the happy news for the Capital Times today is that uh, we're not so focused and reliant on print and, and the digital era sort of re, uh, reshovels the deck in terms of our ability to... Uh, define ourselves and reach audiences. Can I just
4: take a, it to because Paul doesn't give himself enough credit? Um, Dave and I are we would not have had the guts to go digital. Paul came in and and it was a really radical change, uh, but it was one that was necessary. It worked, and um, and I think the the one person who would have would have looked at him and said, "Yeah, you're doing the right thing." Was Bill you because you always liked to make the change if it was necessary to save the paper. And so, Paul's very clinical in talking about all that stuff, but the fact of the matter is, we were very lucky to get him at the time we did. I think it's one of the reasons we're still here.
6: In the intro to the book, um, you write, newspapers speak in different voices, some mumble, some complain, and a few, just a few in any generation, and fewer still these days shout. The Capital Times has always been a shouter. So, um, Dave, what does that mean? What was the Capital Times shouting about?
2: Oh, we shout about everything, that's right. <laughs> and we still try to do that. Uh, we we uh, The shout is to draw attention and to promote the causes that you believe in. Um, and not to, uh, you know, be uh, wishy-washy about it. I mean, we, you, uh, if we feel that uh, tax cuts for the rich are a bad thing, we need to shout that. Uh, we need to shout that uh, doing away with environmental regulations is really, really bad for the state. you um, shouted all the time, and, and he drew attention and, and, he, uh, and he got people to, uh, to believe in his causes. Uh, I think that's what it means to shout.
4: Well, it's, I think it's also that a lot of times, the Capital Times is the only, only paper doing it. Um, to give you an example, just not that many years ago when, when there was the fight over the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, um, there were only two newspapers in the country that opposed it from a pro-worker standpoint that said, you know, at a time when the Democratic president was bringing in radical changes in our trade policies, uh, there were two papers in the country that stood with the trade union movement and stood with environmentalists and others and said, this is wrong. And so we've always believed that if we're going to take a stand on something, A, we should take it boldly, but B, we should make it known that there is this paper out here in the middle of the country uh, that is objecting. And uh, there's a wonderful—I mean, this is because it's our birthday—we can pat ourselves on the back a little. There's a wonderful quote on the back of the book from Jesse Jackson. And Jesse Jackson said, when he came up with when they came up with the idea of the Rainbow Coalition, uh, most media didn't take it seriously. This idea that African Americans, Latinos, gays and lesbians, working class folks, farmers could all come together in some sort of remarkable coalition—and—and uh, and he was laughed at frankly, and and very much dismissed, and he said there was one paper in the country, out in the middle of the country, that not only liked the idea, but endorsed him for president. And that was the Capital Times. And uh, we have in the room tonight, the guy who actually wrote that endorsement, which I do believe caused Fred Miller, our our publisher at the time, a little bit of uh, heart palpitation. but that guy is uh, Phil Hassinger, our longtime editorial page editor and managing editor.
6: We have a, a question from the audience for, for Dave. Um, John, you've already touched on this. Yep. So um, the audience member wants to know, having known EVU, what would he make of the current media environment? And. Um, the current format of the Cap Times, the digital and limited print runs. Yeah,
2: I, I think he'd, uh, you gotta remember, this was way back in the in the 20s, uh, uh, during the time when uh, Wisconsin Public uh, Radio in the, in the late 17, or the late 10s, I guess, right. yeah. Uh, at, right after the Cap Times was, um, uh, was founded uh, a few years later. He radio came along, and uh, and he embraced radio right off the bat. It was pretty amazing. Uh, most newspapers were trying their best to squelch, uh, you know, and uh, to to uh, uh, make uh, to you know to make radio this, this uh, strange thing that people wouldn't uh, would obviously not uh, ever uh, take uh, liking to. Uh, he embraced that he embraced this new technology and he started he got a license for for the Madison's first radio station WIBA uh, right about the same time uh, actually as WHA came on the, came on the air in fact uh, uh, in the uh, in the book uh, on the 100th anniversary of uh, public radio in Wisconsin um, uh, it mentions that every, Said WIBA could do all the things that uh, public radio was going to do, so you know they don't really need a license. But <laughs> 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 but, but at any rate, uh, uh, I, I think that he would indeed br- embrace, uh, as John said, the, the new technology. I don't know what he'd make of uh, social media and and the crazy stuff that we go through today. Uh, that's really really d- very difficult to get your uh, your Hands around, and your head around. Uh, but I think he—he he, his is—he always thought the more voices that were involved, the better uh, it would be for democracy. The better it would be for the people to be able to be involved. I don't know if he would uh, have foreseen the uh, the trolls and uh, and the kind of stuff that uh, that we do see in uh, in today's environment. But uh, uh, I think he would have been okay with that.
1: Dave, isn't there also a famous story about uh, Mr. Evieux trying to get a television license? Oh yeah,
2: so, oh, yeah. Oh. right, and then when television came along, of course that was again uh, deemed as a another threat to newspapers, And uh, but he, he wanted to take advantage of this new, new medium, so he did apply for a uh, a television license. Happened to be at about the same time that he and Joe McCarthy were having their work incredible up. battles. The FCC was uh, getting ready to grant EVU the license for Channel 3 were in Madison. And somehow, a guy named Joe McCarthy got in the way. And so he never did, he, he was turned down.
6: Why, so how we, did that happen? I mean, why uh, did Joe McCarthy get in the way?
2: Well, McCarthy hated EVU, because uh, uh, EVU was uh, trying to, had had, had this, Incredible crusade against McCarthy and the stuff that he was that he was uh, the false the talk about fake news uh, back in those days uh, the false accusations uh, the, the, the lives he ruined uh, and Evie's uh, crusade was to get we had we need to get rid of this guy and and uh, McCarthy got even
4: I think they were afraid to give a license to McCarthy's loudest critic and you know we've got Norm Stockwell here tonight from the Progressive, and the Progressive, and the Capital Times really did generate the opposition to McCarthy. But if I, just one quick other media radio thing. Um, I don't know how many of you remember a guy named Russ Feingold, um, but Feingold used to come to Hebrew School in Madison from Janesville, and they did it on at the same or in the morning. And as they were driving home, that was the 1:15 was the time that. Uh, Ebu came on with his Hello Wisconsin radio show, and he did a radio show every every week where he basically railed against the corporations and the political elites. And to this day, if you ever stop, uh, if you ever see Feingold stop him, ask him to do his Ebu imitation, <laughs> because his father, uh, who was a progressive down in Janesville, would pull the car over on the side of the road, going back from Madison and force the kids to be absolutely silent and listen to the entire EBU broadcast every week. And to this day, Feingold does what I would argue is the single best imitation of Bill EBU, (laughs) not merely linguistically, but also politically.
6: Since um, McCarthy came up, we have a question from the audience. Dave, uh, you can maybe address this. Uh, Joe. Mac- how did Joe McCarthy and the rise of McCarthyism happen? And do you see any similarities in today's political environment?
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, in fact, I think we're reliving the entire, uh, uh, that entire era. Uh, McCarthy, of course, drew um, Mr. Eview's ire initially. Back in 1946, when he ran and beat uh, fighting Bob Lafollette's son, Bob Jr., in the Republican primary that year, uh, that was a uh, a huge uh, a huge blow to Evie and uh, and Evie's uh, reverence for the for the Lafollette family. Uh, during that campaign, however, he sent reporters uh, up to Appleton and. Uh, to take a look at McCarthy's background, and and they discovered an incredible number of uh, things that uh, perhaps Donald Trump might be famous for today, like bragging about stuff that he never did, uh, embellishing his uh, World War II record. uh presiding, he was a judge. McCarthy was a judge back then after the after the war, uh, and uh, he had this uh, side job going where he'd grant uh, rich people up in the Fox Valley uh, quickie divorces so they didn't have to live with their wives uh, any longer than necessary, I guess, for a few bucks. But he exposed all, uh, the paper exposed all this stuff way back then. Uh, It didn't, uh, nevertheless, McCarthy went on because of the circumstances at the time to to win that uh, Senate seat, and uh, went on to Washington where he became uh, probably this country's most famous demagogue. He he saw a, uh, not unlike today, he saw a, uh, a an opening uh, where he could convince uh, people that uh, uh, they were being uh, uh, brutalized by, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I guess foreigners, or especially the uh, uh, the communists uh, who were infiltrating the State Department, and were, your uh, your future is all at peril. And the this is the way the Russians uh, and, and are going to get control of our country. And he was able to sell that message. Uh, he he uh, he became a media darling. Uh, his uh, uh, he'd stand up and do these incredible. Uh, Uh, speeches from the Senate floor in which he had here in his hand uh, a list of the 112 uh, communists who are working for the State Department and uh, it caught on and and, and the national media did not challenge him uh, even though this paper out here had been challenging him all the way back to 1946.
6: Paul, you wrote a column recently, Now More Than Ever. Um, talk a little bit more about why the Capital Times is uh, more important uh, than ever. Thanks.
1: Thanks for uh, promoting that column. Yeah, that is, uh, uh, I, I do feel that, and um, I think about the Capital Times, and I think about uh, three legs to a stool, and one leg we're talking about an awful lot up here tonight, which is really, really important to us and to most people in this room, which is uh, an unfettered, uh, bold, progressive opinion voice, which you don't see around much anymore. Um, I, think the, I think the work of the EVU Foundation, uh, Mr. Evieux's Mr. great gift to this community is not um, realized widely enough, um, and it's uh, enormous as I've gotten more familiar with it in recent years, uh, the power of that kind of money. But the third thing which we haven't touched on, and I was gonna to try to touch on it here, is that the continued um, role of the Capital Times in providing Mm -hmm. hard-hitting, objective, authoritative journalism in this market at a time in which there's uh, less of that, frankly, over the last 10 years, as you've watched the 30-some percent of uh, journalists, uh, fewer than than there were newspaper journalists than there were 10 years ago. And we, uh, I think we do a strong job around the, 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 um, the state house, uh, city hall, um, the university uh, covering tech and the business community, uh, our schools and, and we do that um, even handedly and thoughtfully and I think um, that's what's also in very scarce supply and increasingly scarce supply and I like to kind of separate that from the opinion voice because mm-hmm. it is separate but it doesn't get underscored much in a, in a conversation about the history uh, even though it is is important part of our history, so that that's that's part of why I think the Capital Times is more important than ever. In addition to the unintimidated um, editorial voice that that Dave and John speak to so eloquently, and in this piece of our foundation, so. Uh, I know I'm the most, at least tied with being the most biased person in the room on this topic, <laughs> yeah. but uh, uh, I really, I really, f- I think that, and I, you know, the yeah. the value of strong journalism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, last year. We did an investigation of uh, shoddy nursing home conditions at the at King, at the Veterans Nursing Home at King, and we won um, the two major state awards for investigative reporting and a national award for that. And that's the kind of thing that... Uh, I don't know if Caitlin Farrell's here tonight. Is here. Where is she? Yeah. There she is, there she yeah. Is. So right she did that, that work, yeah. And... Um, uh, And I just think that's something. If you leave here tonight, thinking about us and thinking about that, that's a critical component too, and a, and a reason to continue to, you know, be supportive and enthusiastic about us. Uh,
6: the motto of the Capital Times: Let the people have the truth and the freedom to discuss it, and all will go well. Um, John, is that still true?
4: Sure. It's, it's more true now than ever, except the problem is it's much harder to, to get to the truth because we live in an era where uh, we, have, we have a president um, who is very quick to describe anything he doesn't want to hear as fake news. And, I mean, we should not underestimate the peril that uh, journalism is in today. Uh, journalism is being attacked from the White House on a regular basis, and that attack is defining our politics. Uh, We don't know what the result will be in Alabama tonight. But we do know that if Roy Moore is elected, it will be because the president and his allies have succeeded in convincing a tremendous number of Americans not to believe what is reported by newspapers like The Washington Post. So this this is a big deal struggle, but if I can just tell you one thing in our history. Um, When you do tell the truth, it is is told in many ways. And the greatest story in the Cap Times' history was that of John Patrick Hunter. Going out. John Patrick Hunter had to go to work on the 4th of July as a young reporter. It was a lousy day to work. And he was told to go out and find a feature story. He was walking out, and he saw a copy of the Constitution on the wall. He pulled it down and wrote down some quotes from the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, a couple other things. Went to a park here in Madison and asked people to sign it. 111 people said no, they would not sign it, because it was the middle of the McCarthy era, and they were te- terrified to sign a radical document. And one guy, the last guy who came along, I think he was an insurance man, uh, said, looked at it and says, well, I'll sign the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And you wrote that, or I'm sorry, Hunter wrote that story, went on the front page the next day, uh, went national, and Harry Truman, Harry Truman, about a week later, gave a speech in which he said, can you believe how bad it has gotten in America? This little newspaper out in Wisconsin, the Capital Times, went out and asked people to sign the Constitution the Bill of Rights, and 111 of 112 wouldn't do it. And it was the first time, in a very clear way, that Harry Truman spoke out against what McCarthyism was doing to America. And so when you tell the truth, and when you find that truth, sometimes you can reach to the White House. I just pray for the day when we have someone in the White House who's listening.
6: Um, let's, uh, because we do have some uh, VIPs in the audience to, to, um, have, that have a few things to say, let's, uh, Let's do that now before we get concluding remarks from everybody, and I think we're going to go to uh, former Lieutenant Governor Barbara Lawton first. And you can just you can just speak from the floor there. Yes, I will. Thank you. Good evening, former VIP.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Wish mother were here, no, no, no. Uh, and she wanted to be, and she remembers as the a young young child growing up in Stoughton, Wisconsin, and mother is ninety three today that her father, who was a Lutheran, Norwegian immigrant minister in town, would come home at lunch and they all would sit and listen to Mr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It This is um, a really important celebration for all of us, and I'm thinking about how this story of a newspaper born in extraordinary bitterness and divide tonight was honored by ms malele as making our voice a song for justice and that's the way i feel in this time i mean i i find i wake up in the morning kind of in a simmer and then i go to a full boil and i'm up and down but i i find hope in wisconsin that we have this newspaper that insists on bringing our proud history forward and challenging us to live up to it. That this was the newspaper that really was the push and the pull for equal rights as we, and that really had an influence on Wisconsin becoming the first state to ratify the 19th amendment. I mean, it was the Cap Times, thank you, right? And that then celebrated on page one that we were the first state in the nation to write a bill of rights to make women enjoy the same civil rights as men. Now, there were obviously, there was still work to be done. That was just two years later, and we're still working. Um, but it's so important to me. So today we find, I just had to write it down because as we think about that history that is constantly informing the paper and the work it does in the presence. So we find John Nichols writing just this week, Scott Walker crushes Wisconsin democracy to advance Koch brothers' agenda. This is important for us to pay attention to. Dave even probably writing from the hospital in his plane truck. (laughs) Plane truck, no wise men in the Capitol, but plenty of asses. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we love him. (laughs) I miss the daily cap times, and I cling to the Wednesday one. But part of this new... um, uh, technology also makes it easier for all of us and we have to continue to do it to share with our friends across the state and they can get it in a timely fashion because this is really the only game left in town in our state i mean, there are 11 newspapers including the Market Journal Sentinel owned by Gannett all with a single voice and none with bold courage or political sophistication to really get what's happening around us and bring it forward and make us face it. So these are our defenders of democracy. And I just, this is how I, I think of Paul right now because it's, it's a big thing to carry on your shoulders. It's a, it's a proud legacy and it's something that we think is the promise for our future. Because the Cap Times isn't nostalgic. They bring the history forward, but they're not nostalgic about who we were. But they're educating and focusing all of us, um, determined that Wisconsin government truly represents who we are, our best people. Thank you. We love the Cap Times. Oh
6: and now we will um, now we will hear from former appellate court judge Paul Higginbotham.
5: You know, I I moved here in in January of '73 from Washington D.C. and I I uh, moved into the uh, into the dorms uh, down at the Lakeshore Mack House. I don't anybody ever lived down there, and. Um, It was Saturday and and Sunday, the uh, Wisconsin State Journal edition was delivered and and I looked at it. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm accustomed to reading the Washington Post. And I look at that paper and I go, what is it? And it was mostly advertising. And then I look at the editorial section and there just wasn't much. We have a gem in the Capital Times. Very quickly, I came to realize precisely that. I grew up in a home that valued progressive thought, and the State Journal failed miserably in that department. Johnny Mitchell, wrote this wrote the words you know you pave paradise and put up a parking lot you you can't forget what we've got you, you know you it's it's going to go maybe if we don't continue to support it and give it the kind of support that it requires this is a day and john john has talked about this plenty of times he's written about this plenty of times and and barbara referred to it but This is a day of tremendous, tremendous consolidation in the press, and the result is we are losing our voice. It's all coming down to just a handful of major corporations, and they are forcing their voice upon us. And you can look at all the papers clear across the country, and you can see the same words being said over And over and over again ad nauseum. The Capital Times is this bright star in this otherwise cloudy sky. And we have to keep looking at it lest we forget that it's not all great. The Cap Times is a voice that. We must tune our ears to, though, however, because of, as John said, we have a president who is making a serious attempt to try to fake everybody out in the country by saying it in enough times that what is true news is fake news. And he's starting to get away with it, which means that we have to support the Capital Times, and other similar news outlets and sources. Now, I didn't know Phil Hasslinger wrote the endorsement for our good friend Jesse Jackson. I was going to talk about that, so you blew that for me. Thanks a lot, John. (laughs) But that's an important thing to point out. Here in in the black community, we, we talk about You know, white communities be like a blizzard. You know, well, Wisconsin is a blizzard. And but when it comes to endorsing Jesse Jackson, Jesse Jackson did incredibly well in Wisconsin in that primary, if anybody remembers. But a lot of it had to do because we had this newspaper that spoke up and said, Look, Wisconsin, pay attention. Here's this guy who's speaking about something that you really need to listen to. And all these other folks, they're just, you know, they're just dribbling words. But Jackson is talking about something that's very serious. And, and that's the legacy of this paper. And that's why I continue to look online. I was very upset when the Capital Times quit printing. I was really upset. But I am really glad that you're still online. I continue to look at it online and continue to be the kind of innovators that you have con- constantly shown to be. So keep up the great work.
4: Thank you. Thank you, John.
6: And now we have uh, Congressman Mark Pocan, who is going to have uh, something to say. And thank you for being here. Your first public appearance since your surgery. We're happy to have you.
8: Yeah, I, I haven't been out a whole lot, uh, but very glad to be here tonight. Um, a couple months ago, John asked if I could come, and I said, well, well I'm in session. I'll be in Washington, D.C. I can't be there, uh, but I didn't know uh, four and a half, five weeks ago that I was going to uh, have a triple bypass, which I'm uh, very healthy. I'm uh, doing my cardiac rehab, and I'm uh, mending well, uh, but that gave me the opportunity to be here tonight, and I'm very, very uh, happy to do that. Um, 35 years ago when I came to Madison, when I was going to the UW, uh, I was a journalism student. I graduated with a degree in journalism and followed the Cap Times uh, both professionally as a journalism student but also as a progressive. Uh, It was one of the guiding lights for those of us who are progressives to see what was happening. We didn't have the internet back then. We had the Capital Times uh, to get the information about uh, what was going on. And I have to admit my first appearance in the Capital Times uh, was not... I guess it was a little bit political, but it wasn't on the level uh, that you'd expect. Uh, 1986, Halloween party. Um, There was a photo. I had to go get a couple copies the next day. Uh, I was dressed, uh, I had a car with a windshield and a headlight and um, I was Bob Caston. Uh, that was the year he kind of got his drunk driving ticket and his slogan was working and winning for Wisconsin and my slogan was drinking and driving through Wisconsin (laughs) and um, I made the Capitol Times. So that was my first appearance. I've had a couple since then, um, but I did want to share that. But just the rich history of the Capitol Times, you heard it. I mean, for I think almost everyone in this room, fighting Bob LaFollette is our hero. Um, I I still collect fighting Bob LaFollette buttons and... Uh, po, John was over about uh, the first week I got back home, uh, very kind, brought me some food, and um, I, I just got my La Follette poster from 1924 that I just had framed that's gonna go to Washington where I have kind of a, a shrine to Bob La Follette in my uh, D.C. office. But, but all the work that happened then, fighting against uh, the oligarchs, the wealthy. What are we doing today? We're fighting against the oligarchs and the wealthy, and it really hasn't changed all that much. You look at that whole period with uh, McCarthy, and watching, uh, saying the right thing at a time it wasn't easy to say the right thing. I didn't know the history of the TV station, and that was fascinating to hear that. Uh, the anti-war movement, uh, that editorial on Jesse Jackson, I gotta tell you, I live in the town of Vermont, and if I understand it right, we were the only town in the state of Wisconsin that Jesse Jackson uh, won, um, and probably because of the Cap Times editorial and the good people, uh, my neighbors, uh, who live out there. Uh, to today, you know, more than ever, um, you know, it's hard to watch Washington from afar like I'm doing right now when I'm used to being out there. Uh, but watching what this president has done fake news. He wants not just that 30% that'll jump off the cliff with him no matter what he does, but he wants everyone to think that there's fake news. That the only place you're going to get real information is from a demagogue, almost like a cult leader. Uh, and that's where you get real information so that you'll back a pedophile for the US Senate in Alabama, which could actually happen uh, tonight. And then we may see Cap Times editorials once again talking about ousting US senators uh, who don't belong there and history will once again uh, repeat itself. But now more than ever in an era of fake news and of uh, the number one priority in Congress has been Paul Ryan's quest since he was probably five years old, uh, which is tax reform for the wealthiest. And that's the number one thing they're doing right now. We can't get CHIP uh, funding, healthcare for kids. Uh, We can't uh, get a higher education bill reauthorized. Perkins loans have expired September 30th. You go down the list of things, funding for our, our, our public healthcare centers. And the only priority of this Congress is to pass tax cuts for corporations and the wealthiest. And we're back to some of those same days that fighting Bob LaFollette and the origins of the Cap Times fought. So uh, I'm just really glad that we've got this as a part of our community. Um, And even though I'm not in Washington, one thing I can still do is enter things into the congressional record. And I was able to enter yesterday a citation commending the Capitol Times on its 100th anniversary. And uh, while we didn't say 100 more, we did say many years more of success. Congratulations.
3: (laughs) Thank you.
6: Thank you. Well, we are um, past the time, but that I was supposed to end this by. But since I'm not on radio and NPR news is not coming up, I think we can go over time a little bit. Um, Paul, will the Capital Times be around for another 100 years? Oh, I
1: think so. I'm, I'm sure of it. I. I think there are going to be, uh, I, I said, said this in speeches a couple of times and I have a long sort of take out on it, but one of the things that we're gonna to have to get more accustomed to is, is, is paying for uh, reliable, dependable news and uh, the models are still evolving as to how that relates to the internet. I tell the story when I started school, the graduate school in Washington DC in the mid 70s being able to get the Washington Post for seven days a week for $5 a month. And that started a long uh, uh, career of mine, being accustomed to getting newspapers and high-quality newspapers very inexpensively. Mm-hmm. And I think that the models are still evolving. Uh, the, 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 we, we all kind of know that story, but I think as we move down the road, there will be uh, uh, creative ways to, to pay for high-quality journalism. They're going to have to be because the old models won't work anymore. But I, but I I But I'm optimistic that there is a... Uh, a need, uh, a, a very great need, and um, I think uh, I think the next few years will be very interesting.
6: Um, John, what are your hopes for the future of the Cap Times?
4: Well, I hope after Dave Zweifel delivers the eulogy at my funeral, a <laughs> hundred years from now, yeah. that the Cap Times will will still exist. And I think it will. Uh, Look, I want to first off, thank the people who spoke tonight uh, and all of you and thanks for the questions and thanks for you being here. Uh, I think the Capital Times will be around precisely because of you, not because of us. And uh, a great newspaper is a community. It is not, it's not some institution that speaks from on high. And my great grandfather lived out in Blue River, Wisconsin. Sold, cap, you know, promoted the Cap Times in 1917 because he was a La Follette Progressive. In fact, the greatest moment of his life was when, as village president, they renamed the main street in Blue River La Follette. Um We are not a creative family, but we we do know what we value, and and that sense of community is a really big deal. Into the 1970s, when one of the people who was a supporter of the Capitol Times in 1917 when it was founded. When one of those people died, Mr. Ebu would frequently put the, the uh, obituary on the front page. And so, Ebu valued his readers and supporters because he saw them as part of a community and a movement for a journalism that spoke truth to power. And as long as there are people like you who believe that our journalism must speak truth to power, not merely, not merely reject fake news, but actually challenge fake governance and challenge the power of the elites and the power of the economic and political oligarchs, as long as there are people that want that, there will be a Capital Times. And then you know what the fact of the matter is? I think because Paul was wise enough to lead us online, because Dave's been wise enough to, to keep this anchor of, of values and ideals... My sense is, as somebody writes a lot about the future of journalism, there's a very good chance that the Cap Times is the last newspaper standing.
2: (laughs) I suppose I'm supposed to follow that.
6: Well, uh, well, maybe. What's your birthday wish for the Cap Times?
2: (laughs) Oh, many more, obviously. (laughs) But uh, I I certainly second what uh, John just said about how important you all are to the Cap Times. And uh, to me, the, our book, is, it's not a chronological history of, of the last 100 years. Actually, what we did was take some key issues that the Cap Times has been extremely interested in, in, uh, in crusading for, uh, from the environment to civil rights to Joe McCarthy to Vietnam War. And as long as there are issues like that, Somebody has to get behind them. Somebody has to lead the way. And I think that's that's what will keep the Cap Times alive. And it's folks like you who want to know the truth who will keep us alive.
6: Thank you everyone for coming and uh, long live the Capitol Times.
1: Thank you all so much. Thank you so much.
0: Be sure to subscribe to Cap Times Talks on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. We'll have a new episode in a few weeks. In the meantime, be sure to check out our other podcasts, like The Cost of Opportunity and The Corner Table. I'm Eric Lawrenson, and thanks for listening.